Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love, linked in the show notes. And I knew when I had that reaction out of my mom, I was like, oh my God, I have something. It was like the most epic, like amazing star blasting moment. And since then it's just gone off. And I've just been so passionate about it since then because I really feel like Real Mood's gonna fix a whole entire content creator economy society. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised L.A., and I created We Are L.A. Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Brian Switchko of One Inc. We are a creative cohort and storytelling studio based in Los Angeles. I've been a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast since the beginning. I've been a member of the We Are LA Tech community since the beginning. I am so happy and grateful to have known Esprit and watched the genesis of both. Um, but I've remained a listener because of the warmth that she shares with her listeners and her audience, but also the space that she makes uh, for her, her guests and the stories that come from that. And then also to know that those stories aren't just stories, they aren't just content. Uh, they're a part of a community and that community is something that can be experienced in so many different ways. And the times that I've been able to meet other people and connect with them from the community have resulted in meaningful relationships and potent business partnerships. And you know, at so many situations where I can track back person to person, situation to situation over months and years. Um, and, and just point to a spree as the catalyst for, for what, you know, you look back and it's just, it's just magic. Uh, I'm so happy and grateful for a spree and the We Are LA Tech community. I will continue listening, participating, and happily cheering for a very long time to come. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events job opportunities and even housing go to wearelatech.com slash community we'll take you straight there that's wearelatech.com slash community hey i'm outside just getting a smog check i was thinking about what home is and how important it is for us to develop those really connective meaningful relationships at home and as driven people we get so caught up in you know, getting things done in our schedule. And before we know it, it's the end of the year and we haven't cultivated our relationships around us. We haven't taken that moment to, you know, eat grocery store sushi with a friend. And it's so important that we really do become more mindful of how we're living day to day instead of just getting caught, caught up and each year going, you know, into the next and into the next and and we don't, you know, further enhance our relationships around us because at the end of the day, it's our private relationships that really 
nourish our lives. It's not the likes or the follows or the social media engagement, professional accolades. It's our personal relationships behind closed doors in privacy that really make our lives a wonderful place. So with that, enjoy the next episode. LA Tech Podcast, spotlighting LA Tech companies and talent. So excited for our next guest coming at us from Culver City. Welcome, Chantal. Hi. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, party people? And did I say your name right? Chantal. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. Like Sean is tall. Chantal. Perfect. But you know, I really don't care how you say it as long as it's right on the paycheck. (laughs) 100%. I agree with you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Chantal Anderson. I am a entertainment industry professional. I've been working in the industry for pretty much 12 to 15 years. Recently, I um, have migrated into the tech industry. I created a startup called Real Mood, R-E-E-L-M-O-O-D. And pretty much we're the first live streaming platform on using blockchain technology to help monetize content creators and artists. And I say artists because this is not a platform for the gamers of the world or the video beauty bloggers of the world or, you know, bakery people of the world. This is literally for artists, people that um, are inspired by different art, visual creative art, music arts, and to come together and put out high quality projects and monetize off of that. I mean, I have so many questions for you. Before we even get into the journey of how you became interested in technology and into this whole crypto world, can you give us like, I mean, you know, from when we DM back and forth, even though I'm super immersed in tech, I just, I kind of bypassed crypto. And now I feel like I'm behind. And I think there's so many people like me that they're like, what is this world? What are you talking about? What's an NFT? What's the blockchain? So can you give a really short kind of dumbified one-liner so everyone can stay on flow with you as we have our conversation? Blockchain. Blockchain is literally a record logger of all the transactions that happens on a certain type of payment platform. So you've heard the words Ethereum. You've heard the words Bitcoin. Bitcoin is like a huge logger that tracks every single Bitcoin transaction and transactions meaning sending Bitcoin, receiving Bitcoin, trading Bitcoin, swapping Bitcoin. There's just one huge ledger and that blockchain helps run those transactions. And so when I say we are using blockchain technology, we're using a blockchain called Binance Smart Chain and they're going to be our main provider for letting people monetize off the platform, which is receiving real new tokens, sending real new tokens, and also allowing people to buy an NFT. I'm sorry, that wasn't really short, but hopefully that helped. (laughs) No, that actually was short. But can you get a little bit into NFT? Like, it's so difficult to truly digest what an NFT is. Like, I sort of get it. And I also completely don't get it at the same time. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's because people, when they explain NFTs, they start at the technical part first. What I like to do is I like to make it relatable. And so when you were a kid, did you ever trade like Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, baseball cards, or maybe even like Polly Pockets or like 
Nokia phones, anything that you remember as a kid that you used to collect and trade, right? So they were they were a big thing. They were a big commodity. And you and if you were a hustler or if you knew the value of buy and sell and trading, you would you would sell your collectibles, the things that you considered a prized possession that you knew would have a valuable worth at the end of the day. Now think of that whole entire concept in a digitized platform. Um, an NFT is basically a digital fungible token that allows you to put blockchain technology and crypto behind a piece of art or a piece of collectible. So that's why you'll see a huge trend in like the NFL creating sport NFTs. It's like literally re-giving that baseball collection, that baseball card emphasis back, but only in the digital world to help encompass the new blockchain technology that everyone has. So now you can trade NFTs and you can hold them in a digital wallet, just like how when you were a kid, you would trade baseball cards and put them in the little plastic slots in a binder. Now think of all that digitized. And that's pretty much what an NFT is, putting blockchain technology and tokens behind your piece of art. You totally got me because I used to collect baseball cards. Boom. <laughs> so that works. My friend Danny Miranda, who's an amazing podcaster, he posted a tweet the other day saying, 10 years ago, if you were paying attention to social media, you were on the inside and you understood the future. And today, if you're paying attention to crypto, you're on the inside and you understand the future. And I really... My gut is he's right. That's why I feel like I really need to like step up my game and get more plugged in because I'm definitely not on the inside of what's going on in the crypto world. And I love that you are and I love that your company is. So let's dial it back now to like the purpose of the show, which is like celebrating your journey and how you got to where you are today. So where did you fall in love with technology and and not just technology, but in your case, and then crypto? When I was in college, I actually used to work for Apple. And I like to say under the Steve Jobs era, because I actually had to go to Cupertino, get trained. Um, I was an Apple uh, campus representative, and that was a combination of both marketing and sales. And I was the first of its kind on my college campus. So it was a huge undertaking. And I was responsible for increasing the Apple sales on our campus, which we did. And we shot through the roof by like 10%, which was amazing, because to me, that just meant more Apple products. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of started my professional career into technology when I was in college. But, you know, when I was uh, 10, I built my first computer by myself. Um, I was an only, I'm was a product of an only child. So when you leave only kids by themselves, they have nothing to like do except just play around with stuff. And um, my mom would just go to Comp USA. I don't know if anyone remembers that store, but like she would take me in the aisles and she would just let me pick out whatever I wanted and I'd bring it back home. I built like my first McDoss system and I think it was like Windows 95 at the time. So I would just like get a tower and I knew how to get the hard drive and I would know where to put like the dial because it was dial up back then. So you had to get the dial up modem and you had to make sure not to touch like the circuit breaker or it was going to ruin. It was like a whole thing back then. But <laughs> I would say my first journey started there and I've always been involved in like tech and video games as a kid. I was like a secret hidden nerd. But I was too ashamed to like be projecting about it. So it was like my secret hidden life. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, I kind of started off with there. My family's also really big in like tech or engineering, so I've always seen it around me. I just never really delved into it, but I always secretly in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be like a software engineer or something within that scope. And then I just kind of got swept away in something else. But yeah, I, I've always been involved in or it had a passion for it for sure. 
your story is amazing because you're like, yeah, I wanted to get involved in it, but I didn't really get involved in it. But yet I was building computers when I was 10 years old. What are you talking about? You were totally involved <laughs> in it from the time you were in t- you were 10. <laughs> yeah. What I mean, like I didn't really like go through with it. I just kind of like, it was like a hobby for me just to like be able to do stuff. Like my mom would like go to work and she'd like I'd be home and she would leave me at the computer and still come back. And I was still at the computer. So like, <laughs> it was like night and day. So, um, yeah, I, I was just surrounded by it and it was like my thing. It was like my hobby as a kid. It was like computers and anime, like in video games, like that was the thing. Okay. So you worked at Apple and then you started to get professionally immersed in the tech space. And then at what point did that lead to the crypto world? So after I worked from Apple and I graduated, I actually got immersed into the entertainment industry, like instantly. And from there, I kind of just navigated my way working like different shows and with different people. Um, just recently was one of the co-EPs for Cardi B's show on Facebook Watch. And that was like my last show that I just did um, before I really put myself full time into real mood. Crypto, I've been involved in into since 2017. Wait, 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 that was a little bit too fast for me. You're just I like how you just breezed over that I was the EP on Cardi B. And anyway, another new like what? <laughs> Share with us a little bit like that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. No, it was um, it was really fast. It was like really like we need you, and I was like, oh, real mood. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, it was really fun though. She's such an, an amazing person to be around. I love her energy, and she is so smart. Um, that woman is business minded, smart. She's go getter, motivated, and like anyone that works around her will definitely understand what I'm talking about because she just oozes like she's just so savvy, and she's also just a great person and great energy to be around. And the crew and everybody was really cool to be around too. Um, but it was it was just a fun project. We can't release too much, but until all of it's out. But we we had a lot of different excursions. She tries different things, and we have a bunch of different celebrity guests that came onto the show also. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you guys will definitely see it. Like, because we have an eight episode order. One of the episodes has already aired. Um, so yeah, you'll definitely see it this fall for sure. So cool. And then, okay, so so you get that, but you're like, I want to get back to my, my passion, real mood. And so what happened there? Yeah, so I've been involved in crypto since 2017. I was like a crypto trader. So I had a couple things here and there. I think the first thing I ever bought was Bitcoin. I slowly got Ethereum and it was like, it was small because I was starting to really understand and learn it. Then the pandemic happened. And I think just like you or anyone else, we kind of got a lot of free time on our hands and really started to get into other different things. My, my whole thing was blockchain technology. I actually spent hours watching nothing but YouTube videos, going to like virtual conferences and just learning and soaking myself up into it. And then something happened in my brain. And I promised to God, I'm looking at, I'm, I never said I was going to write a book, but now I want to write a book because I, I, it's like, I can't remember as if this happened yesterday, but like December 23rd, <laughs> I was sitting down and I was watching something on YouTube blockchain wise. And I have to go back and find the video, but one of the speakers said something about like, it was in regards to like building infrastructures all over again, using the favorite things you use again and being able to fix a problem and repurpose something that hasn't worked and being able to rebuild it using blockchain technology. And it was right after like the whole Black Lives Matter movement. And then there was also content creators being mad that they weren't getting monetized and Realme was already a thought in 2020. And then something happened where I was like, oh my God, Real Moon needs to be on the blockchain. <laughs> like, I was like, Real Moon needs to be blockchain. And the first person I told was my mom, who's like almost 60. And I was like, mom, mom, I have this idea, like Real Moon's going to be on blockchain. And I was telling her about it. And my mom, who hears 
so many of my ideas because I'm such an entrepreneur for the first time ever. She actually listened to what I said and she was like, wait a minute, say that again. Like, wait, what? And I knew when I had that reaction out of my mom, I was like, oh my God, I have something. It was like the most epic, like amazing star blasting moment. And since then it's just gone off. And I've just been so passionate about it since then because I really feel like Real Mood's going to fix a whole entire content creator economy society. So tell us, how did you describe it to your mom and why do you think it will fix the content creator economy? But first, how did you describe it to your mom? Um, yeah, because my I had my mom into crypto a little bit, so I had to kind of uh, really, really uh, dumb it down a little bit. But I, I basically told her, I was like, mom, okay, so think of Real Mood, live streaming platform where people come on and they monetize, they earn money. But instead of earning money, like how we think of US dollars, fiat, they earn in crypto. And the reason why it's great is because it's teaching people financial literacy in one point, And then they're also growing their earnings that they're holding within their, their crypto wallet. And that's something that YouTube can't promise because A, YouTube was created and built for advertisers, not with the mindset of content creators, but Real Mood will be the first platform that's in design for content creators where you don't need advertising in order to support the platform. You use crypto and blockchain. And she was like, wait, that's genius. I was like, and their money grows. <laughs> so, you know, like one day you can earn X amount and another day you could be XX amount, you know? So she heard that and she was like, that's like amazing. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so here I am a year, almost a year later. I mean, I feel like you just shared that, how it solves things for the content creator economy. But was there something blaringly painful for you to see within our content creator economy that you're like, oh, it pains me that that creators can't X, Y, Z. And I'm so glad Real Mood is going to solve this for us. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know this because uh, especially you, I don't even know if you would know this um, because we're based in North America, but there's a huge geo blocking of countries right now that doesn't have the opportunity or the ability to live stream or monetize off of YouTube because Google geo blocks them and doesn't allow them to monetize. So some of the content creators that you see on TikTok or YouTube actually have to heavily rely, rely on advertisers. And sometimes advertisers won't partner with them because of where they're from. So sometimes there's actually content creators that are super talented and have that knack and they have those views that are just getting completely shut out by big tech companies because they're not in the location due to maybe regulations or maybe government restrictions, whatever that might be. Blockchain technology, obviously, you already know, like it already fixes so many different things surpassing government regulations because it's a people's platform where it's peer to peer and the people govern it, not banks. So uh, yeah, that was one of the biggest things to me where I said, and I don't want to use a specific name, but there's a content creator that brings in 3 million views on three different platforms. So they bring in 1 million views on YouTube, a million on Facebook and a million on uh, uh, Spotify, and they actually make no money. Um, They're responsible for bringing in their own advertisers and uh, they try to partner with North American advertisers. And a lot of those North American advertisers will say no because of where they're from. They consider them third world countries or whatever that may be. And there's talent oozing out of these countries also. And I go the country route because I am a product of diversity. And I think diversity, when people understand it, it fixes a lot of the shit that's happening in the world. Excuse my language, but it is what it is. And so, yeah, I, I saw that as an opportunity for Real Moods to really be to take a step up and really help advocate for those that are screaming talent and just want to be able to uh, make a living for themselves. Because content creators, to me, are small businesses and they should be able to support their talent. Yo, 
So I had no idea. And that just like differentiates you from from everything out there. Just that story alone, first of all, breaks my heart too, knowing what it takes to be a content creator and the kind of emotional and physical and resource and time investment we put into creating so that that creator is getting such outstanding traction and has such a difficult journey to monetize simply because of a geographic location is just beyond. And I'm so impressed with like your story that you just shared to me makes it like when I see these tech companies that do really excite me because it's exciting to see this technology for content creators to be able to share their art in a variety of ways. But at the end of the day, as far as I know, they're just new types of tech to like, okay, if I want to live stream in that way, if I want to like create a picture in that way, if I, but to, to have this like, have you ever read the book Man's Search for Meaning? It's by Viktor Frankl, and it's about how he survived the Holocaust. And he talks about he survived the Holocaust by living a purpose larger than himself. And I feel like the purpose of Real Mood isn't just about being a tech company. It's not just about being a live streaming platform. It's about serving a purpose so much larger than yourself that can truly start to heal the world. So cool. Like, so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think you, you said it perfectly because I tell my, I tell my staff this all the time. And I tell people close to me that are, that know what I'm doing. And I say like, and and I get, and I'm so grateful to be on a podcast with you to talk about this, but like real mood is not about me. It's really about this infrastructure. That's going to be the voice of so many different people that don't have the opportunity to, you know, get seen because of machines or corporate infrastructure or whatever that might be. And so I'm so glad you said that because that is exactly what it is. And I tell people all the time, I think my sole purpose in this world is to like help people because that's what I've been able to do so far. That's one thing I know I'm really good at. And so if my skill set can help bring in a marginalized community or a community that's not being seen or a set of people that's not being seen, like I'm, I'd rather spend 24 seven doing that than anything else. And one thing I've been hearing a lot in my research has been how crypto and being involved in the world of crypto actually uh, creates opportunity for generational wealth that previously wasn't accessible in the ways that it's been um, structured until crypto arrived. I'm I'm probably not saying it in a very eloquent way, but yeah, (laughs) that. (laughs) You're completely right. It definitely does. Because when you think about it, and and it goes back to the banks, it's not even about like a, like a, a man versus woman thing. It's about banks, centralized banks. They didn't give you the opportunities because the person above those banks is generations and generations and generations of wealth the same wealth that's helped build the United States of America. So crypto is that opportunity because you can literally just find someone that's tech savvy, knows uh, knows Solana and maybe knows Solidarity and, and some HTML and Java. It can create a whole entire currency, put some liquidity into it and put a really good purpose to it. And you can help build a whole entire infrastructure, a country, a whole world. That That opportunity is definitely there. So I discovered Bitcoin when it was really new. And I remember saying, and I like, of course, I want to like, you know, I regret this now, but how could I have known? I remember saying, no, I don't want to buy Bitcoin. I don't believe in like taking so many gambles in the stock market and I'm not looking for another stock market. That was what came out of my mouth when I first discovered Bitcoin. I'm starting to recognize it took me way too long, but I'm starting to recognize that it's it's nothing like the stock market. <laughs> it's an entirely different thing. 
Can you explain to everybody how crypto is not the stock market for anybody that maybe has the same thought that I had? I think, yes, you're correct. Crypto is not the stock market, but it's even more deeper than that. You can't compare Bitcoin to the stock market because stocks are basically built and um, paired against actual real assets with an actual purpose. So for instance, you would invest in a company called Facebook, a Facebook stock, because the stock is part of the company. Bitcoin, you're just investing into an asset that doesn't have a real utility or purpose. I love Bitcoin. If you got an early hurrah, that's awesome. But really look into other blockchains that actually serve a purpose, uh, like Ethereum. Ethereum is one of the smartest smart contract blockchains out there. And that is something that I would actually compare to the stock market. Actually, an ETF. I would compare Ethereum to an ETF because it comprises a multitude of different projects that um, only grow based off the, how it utilizes the crypto and the blockchain and the platform. In terms of the stock market, yeah, it's extremely volatile and it's hard to kind of grasp. And the only reason why that is, is because Bitcoin is the granddaddy of them all. And Bitcoin is the leader of them all. And unfortunately, the leader of them all is not a utility type blockchain. So you're always going to have that volatility of crypto because the leader isn't someone that's comparable to stocks. But I would consider Ethereum comparable to an ETF. I mean, so cool. I'm sure there's so many people that have so many more questions. And I think it's incredible that you're building a live streaming platform on essentially what is not only today, it's already today, but it's still not entirely understood today. But it's, to me, it's definitely the future and will be well understood in the future. So the real mood is built on this foundation is just extraordinary. How can people connect with you? Yeah, definitely go to our website. We are literally looking for everything. Okay, so we're looking for testers, early testers to test out the platform. We're also looking for uh, artist partners, um, partners, partners that have an already um, good following, uh, media kits, um, editorial pictures, and obviously a music library and fans. We're looking for artist partners there because we have a really dope partnership program. We're also looking for developers, uh, blockchain developers specifically, that's in the United States. Please visit our website, www.realmood.com, R-E-E-L. And I just want to I just want to explain why it's real because real are liter is literally moving videos and we're live streaming. So it's essentially live video streaming. And then the mood, because we want your, we want our users to feel in a certain mood whenever they visit our platform because it's invigorately friendly. <laughs> How many people are on your team? I have around, let's see, I think I have 12 people on my team right now. And have you raised money? Are you self-funding? How are you making all of this come to reality? Yeah, so we've held a private token sale where we sold our real mood tokens to um, a lot of private investors. And also we just ended our public sale um, that we held in a couple of uh, other countries. Um, and so we've raised $250,000 right now. And now we are doing traditional fundraising with a couple of VCs. <laughs> yeah, um, we're doing traditional fundraising with a couple of VCs. So we're getting ready to go into that due diligence round, which we're, we're so ready because we've been fundraising what feels like forever since April. And so I'm exhausted. <laughs> fundraising takes the toll out of you. Um, so we're just, we're just ready to get like that first step of like full funded and just thrive because we're, we're excited. We're ready to come out. That's awesome. Wait, okay. I'm so in the dark and I feel like half of our listeners are going to be like, Esprit, you are so lame. I already know this. And the other half are going to be like, I'm right there with you, Esprit. I don't get it either. How do you create a real mood token? 
So we got a developer and we had a developer create uh, our smart contract and a smart contract, which is available. You can go on our website actually and see how it's built. Um, but the smart contract basically gives a bunch of permissions, which allows you to buy, which allows you to sell, which allows you to trade, which allows you to uh, stake. Um, and so that smart contract is basically put into a program called Solidarities. Um, and uh, you, the developer goes on and they, they either run the code and then they put that onto our wallet to deploy into a blockchain explorer called Binance Smart Chain. And then um, the token part is more so just a word rather than an actual token, but it's a token because it interacts as currency. And so we've gone through the route of pre-selling our token. We are going to list it on an exchange sometime this quarter. And then that's where you'll start to see the functionality of the token because you'll see people trading it back and forth. What's a piece of advice someone has given you in your professional career that's really helped elevate youth as the years have gone on? Oh, man. I don't know if I want to say it because it kind of seems very heartless. But the best piece of advice I've ever received in my life is don't run, walk because you're not saving lives, <laughs> which basically the hidden meaning about that was like, don't stress yourself out over something you can't control unless you're literally a doctor saving someone's life. And I'm not in that position. And it didn't make me be lackadaisical about anything. It just made me put things in certain perspectives and priorities. That's all it was. But that, that was the best advice I've ever received. That's literally helped me in my career. I just finished listening to the book Effortless. I don't know if you've heard of it. And it was such a game changer. It's all about that. Like essentially, the slower you are, the faster you'll go. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very true. I felt like it was a magical book that just made everything easier. <laughs> Things that I didn't even know could be easier all of a sudden after listening to that book. I'm like, oh, okay, hold up. Let me just like tweak this, tweak that. I'm like, that is just so much better than what I was trying to do before. Mm-hmm. The efficiency of it all. Like, and that's, that's my whole thing too. Just being like efficient and not and thinking smarter, not harder, which is really hard to do for someone that over processes things. What huge obstacle have you overcome uh, successfully? Like what have you successfully overcome in your career? You know, the entertainment industry, and I keep going back to that because I spent a lot of time in there. Um, the entertainment industry is really hard to overcome the different personalities and also um, roadblocks and things that come your way that you might not expect. Um, it's just really, it, you have to always on, be on ready and be willing to just adapt. Um, and so that was the biggest obstacle I had to overcome. I had to learn how to take the emotion out of it and realize it's just business. And then also be willing to adapt really quickly. Um, so I think because of that, it's kind of built me into, um, it allows me to be stronger for other people that might not be. And because I know who I am and I'm very so comfortable in like my mission, um, it allowed me to really be strong. I, I would say that I wasn't who I am today, 10 years ago. I was a, kind of like a shy, quiet person. And the industry has kind of forced me to like definitely like bunker up and be strong and call things out when I see them when that's not right. Um, and so, yeah, that's the biggest thing I've overcome that I think is, uh, has attributed to a part of my success today or growing to success. Like I'm currently teaching myself how to set boundaries. And there's so many amazing people listening to you right now wishing they too can become stronger, can not take any BS and speak their mind. But I'm sure that that wasn't easy. So what 
guidance would you give everyone listening to make it over that very first hump where they're just learning it for the first time? For me, the biggest thing is having a, having a sense of the safe space, having someone that you can go to to talk things out rationally, because I'm also someone that gets heated in the moment and I can make irrational decisions if I'm not careful. Um, so I think the number one thing is having a support system or having a safe space where you're able to walk out different steps and different things before you... Um, before you, before you react, um, boundaries was really important to me because, um, I like to build a, uh, I like to build a camaraderie with a lot of the people that I work with. Cause I like to say, I'm not your boss. We're a team. And I'm just a person that's coordinating the team together, but it's important too to make sure that people understand boundaries and boundaries are set there for a reason. So we can move forward, not to restrict and hold someone back. I mean, we deal with it every day. I feel like I wouldn't be able to confidently do that if I didn't have a safe space or somebody that's been there where I've been, like a mentor that I can always talk things out to. Because sometimes I don't have the answers to everything, but I can use someone else's experience or their references and pull from that to make a conscious decision. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what is a tool or like an app, like a a website or an app aside from Real Mood that you can't live without that you recommend that we check out? There's an app called Spark. <laughs> it's a great email client and it's a smart it's a smart email client because it will ping you on messages that you've meant to go back to but you never had the chance to so it's called a smart inbox and it will filter your emails for you but not all the time. Like it'll give you your regular ordinary like email collation. Um, But sometimes the smart inbox will say, hey, you forgot to respond to this email a week ago and it'll ping it back to the top. It's my favorite thing. It's kind of like a virtual assistant. Oh, nice. (laughs) Wait, so Spark will find you the emails that you haven't responded to? Yeah. Yo, I totally need to install Spark. I saw Spark like a really long time ago and I, you know, it's one of those things. For everybody just arriving to LA to be a part of the tech community here and not even knowing where to move, where to go, what to do, what resources would you recommend that they tap into? Funny you say that. I would say Culver City <laughs> or Santa Monica, the new Silicon Beach area. Um, it's it's so different from Silicon Valley and, and other parts of the world like New York. I mean, LA is just such a chill vibe. And so you don't really get that strenuous strain and stress of like, oh my God, You know, I have to do this and that and this and that. It's all about networking. Um, And L.A. is also a city where it's like if you have to know someone in order to know someone to get into that community. But once you're in, it's easy to get anywhere else. Um, So I highly recommend them coming to the West Side. And speaking of Culver City, off the record, we were talking about a hike that we've both gone on. What hike do you recommend everybody go on? I recommend everyone go to the Baldwin Hills, Culver City Steps, uh, scenic overpass. Um, it's 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 definitely difficult, <laughs> but it's also um, enjoyable to watch once you get to the top. And also to plug in to LA Tech right now. I'd say one of the best community hubs for LA tech is Twitter. It's super weird. It hasn't always been that way, but people are really plugged into the hashtags long LA, tech LA, Silicon Beach LA. Just really plug into LA tech Twitter. It's even how I discovered Chantal like on Twitter. So that is a way to quickly immerse even before you get here and just kind of like see what's up and what people are talking about and who the event organizers are. And of course, Duh, like we are LA Tech, but I try not to just say we are LA Tech and 
really bring about like all of our community resources. And I think LA Tech Twitter is just amazing right now. Is there anything that you look for on Twitter in order to integrate further, even if it's not LA specific, just related to startup and being a founder that really helps you? Yeah, I'm really tapped into female developers and um, females in the blockchain industry because I am a female myself and I just know, I understand how female moves and uh, that's not to discredit men. I just, I love the way females move or just we're the ones that can multitask with our eyes closed. We can give birth and also run a company. And so I want that kind of energy and vibe um, wherever I go. And so I'm really tapped into the algorithm of like all female devs right now and all smart contract devs and other women that are VCs in the blockchain crypto industry and in securities also. Are there any LA tech resources that you recommend like different accelerators or different programs that you're like, Oh, that really helped me with my company. There's a incubator, which kind of masks themselves as kind of like a tech house. I highly recommend uh, people check them out if they're into the tech space. I believe it's called uh, the LA House. Um, I'll send, I'll definitely you send mean you guys Launch the House. Link. Launch House. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, sorry. I totally butchered that. I apologize, guys. Launch House. Now, I've been following them on Twitter. And um, recently, one of my colleagues went to an event and Ray had great reviews. And, and that's only the one that, that's the only one that I know about because I'm not really into the incubator scene. But that's the one that I hear the most about. And so I highly recommend people check them out. What restaurant do you recommend everybody go to in LA? I recommend everyone check out a restaurant called Margot. It's a Mediterranean restaurant. And the oysters is the best oysters I've ever had in the West Coast ever. I stand by that 1000%. The way they prep it, it's fresh. I think they catch it that morning. Um, It's so good. And they also have the best Mediterranean pasta I've ever had. It's a new restaurant. I think they've only been open for like two years. And then the pandemic happened and like they shut down. But I highly recommend everyone check it out. It's in downtown Culver City. Nice. Culver City, actually, for everybody just moving to LA, I'd say Culver City is one of the best foodie areas. They have incredible restaurants throughout Culver City. Like, I'm afraid to say it, but I feel like almost the the best. But I can't say that because I'm not a foodie and I feel like I'd get scrutinized by a proper foodie out there that I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Culver City is definitely <laughs> up there. I would also say like Burbank, Glendale. Mm. Glendale. <gasps> Glendale has epic food. You are so right. Glendale is like the secret food land that no one knows. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what events in L.A. do you recommend? So there's a couple of blockchain conferences coming up in Los Angeles. There's like a blockchain summit that's happening and uh, that's happening this upcoming Sunday, uh, September 5th. Um, and and that that's open to the public. Um, it's actually free. You don't have to. Uh, they're not charging you to get in. You just have to be on a guest list. Um, and then there's also another blockchain conference happening in October. Um, and it's talking about. Um, securities and infrastructures and how crypto is um, leading the way for um, financial literacy. And that's happening in October. I can't remember the name, but I'm happy to share that information with you. If someone like new to LA and they could do anything at all, what activity or thing would you be like, you have to do this, you have to check this out? So I'm born and raised in LA. So um, I actually wouldn't, there's nothing in the city of LA that I would say you have to do this because everything is touristy that you'd be able to find on the internet. I think a lot of the LA culture you'll actually find outside. And so one of the things that I actually would suggest 
is there's this amazing Mexican restaurant. We're highly influenced by the Mexican culture in Los Angeles. There's this amazing Mexi- Mexican restaurant in Gage, which is like in East LA. Um, the owners are world-renowned chefs that competed on Iron Shelf and they have a beard award. Um, and so they opened up this restaurant in East LA and it's amazing and it's true authentic food from Mexico and true authentic food is not tacos and burritos. There's like a whole entire different landscape that I think the people of LA have been lied to. So I highly recommend they check that out because you get the real culture of like Mexican food in LA and the people because they do like a full on thing, like the music and everything. It's called La Casita Mexicana. Last question. What book do you recommend that we all read? I'm going to plug my girl, Ebony K. Williams. She has a book called Pretty Powerful, and this is specifically for women. But men, you should definitely read it, too, because it's another insight to the women's intellect and brain. It just talks about using your powers as a female into the world, um, using it in both the business world, personal life and everything and understanding your power as a woman. And when I read that book, I get so invigorated because I'm like, women, we're so smart. We can run the world. (laughs) You know, so I love it because it just encourages me so much. So, yeah, I definitely recommend everyone to check it out. Ebony K. Williams, who's actually now a new housewife on the real Housewives of New York. But she's actually like a lawyer and she was on Fox News and she's done so many different things with Revolve. She's like super smart. She's a member of Alpha Cap Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And she wrote this amazing book called Pretty Powerful. And she's just amazing. So I definitely recommend everyone to check it out. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up? I want to say thank you so much for having me. Any opportunity Real Mood gets to go out there and tell people about what we're doing is a, is a very awesome moment. And we want to just offer you actually 100 Real Mood tokens on behalf of Real Mood for being an early believer and Stop. insider of our platform, <laughs> as well as um, a couple of your so lucky cool. subscribers. So we'll definitely <laughs> we'll definitely send you guys a link and maybe you can raffle them off to some of your lucky subscribers and give your subscribers yes. some Real Mood tokens. Pace to be early. <laughs> that is so cool. That's so cool. You know, what's funny is the last thing I was going to say to you is how do I become a creator on real mood? Like that's, that's what's next for me. I mean, this sounds amazing. So I'm excited to be, be one of your next live streamers. Yeah, you would thrive on there for sure. Um, we are looking for podcasters. I have your connect, so I'll definitely sign you up as an artist partner. I'll, absolutely. No way. No way I wouldn't. <laughs> ah, I'm excited. I'm excited. How can people connect with you? Yes, please reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is I-V-Y-R-I-K-K-U, I-V-Riku. If you're a gamer, you know what the Riku is from. If you're not, you should check her out on Final Fantasy X. She's my favorite character since I was a kid. And yeah. Awesome. And we'll include all of her contact information in the show notes. Thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast and being such an incredible founder here in our city. It's really excited. I'm excited to be a part of Real Mood. I just think everything you're building is extraordinary. I'm not just saying, I just, I can't believe how much Real Mood is going to impact our world globally for the better. It's just, it's so cool to connect and collaborate with more amazing, amazing people in the LA Tech community. Remember to go to We Are LATech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social at wearelatech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, it's Chantal Anderson, CEO and founder of Real Mood, where you can watch, stream, and earn crypto. We're based in Culver City, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. 
The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.